Welcome to Survive and Thrive, Panda's podcast for expecting a new parents. My name's Alice, and in this episode, we're talking worry and anxiety. We're going to hear from Catherine about her worries and anxieties when becoming a parent and how she's learned to manage all the different ways that becoming a parent can be seriously anxiety-inducing. The majority of new parents have more worries and more anxieties than they've ever had before, right? It's very rare to find a person who becomes a parent and has no new worries. Anxiety is also very common. We know that about one in five expecting a new mums and one in 10 expecting a new dads experience perinatal anxiety or depression, and we suspect it's about the same for non-binary parents. So, managing worry and looking after yourself while you're worried are very useful skills to help you through this period. You're going to be worried. So how are you gonna manage it? Sometimes when parents share their worries, they'll hear, stop worrying, you're worrying too much. If people tell you or try to tell you you're worrying too much, it can feel like, you're joking, this is my child. Of course you're gonna be worried. So let's just talk about managing those worries while trying not to judge yourself too much for worrying. And this is part of why I'm so excited to talk to Catherine today. Catherine is a freelance writer, doula, and panda volunteer. Thanks so much for joining me, Catherine. Thanks for having me. So let's dive in. When did you notice you started worrying? I think that worry is something completely natural and completely expected in the human experience. When I became pregnant, it definitely evolved into a different sort of worry. Before you have a child, you obviously worry about other people, but all of a sudden you're worrying about someone that you're completely in charge of. They're completely dependent on you. I think I was worrying in a different way. I'd had a miscarriage in my early 20s. At the time, it wasn't a significant event to me. I was sort of relieved. Um, But I noticed that when I did want to be pregnant, that thought was sort of at the back of my mind the whole way through. I guess when you're pregnant, sometimes it feels like there's a lot of expectation that you are managing things that in many ways are totally outside of your control. Do you feel like that feeds into worry? I think the experience of being pregnant and being a parent is something so out of your control. You can plan for it, but there's no way of guaranteeing what is going to (laughs) happen, how your child is going to be, how your birth is going to be, how healthy or if you get ill in pregnancy. So I think that element of mystery or just not knowing what's going to happen can definitely increase the amount of worry and anxiety as well. And you mentioned birth, which I think is a huge, uh, hugely connected to worry for most people. What was your experience of worry around birth and then I guess beyond birth? I didn't have much knowledge of birth besides the sort of tropes that are given to you by the media and in the things you see in movies are very traumatic experiences and everyone's yelling and screaming. So I had to learn a lot about birth when I was pregnant because I was a little bit worried about it because of what had been presented to me. So I was definitely afraid of birth when I first got pregnant, but through my pregnancy, I sort of realised how natural and built these bodies are to give birth. It's not, 
you know. I think there's also a tendency for people to tell their scary, traumatic stories to pregnant people, which can be really confronting. You're more likely to hear the bad stories than the good ones when you're pregnant, I think. People really like to, I guess it's cathartic for people to talk about these experiences that they've had. And I don't think a pregnant person is the right sounding board for those experiences, but it happens all the same. So I think that adds to it. But I think I did take the anxiety I had when I was pregnant into my birth. Um, We know that a lot of people are really traumatised by birth, but I did get through it because I learned all these coping mechanisms and ways of thinking about it and had really good support to unwind these things that were happening and sort of take a step back and realise, okay, I can do this, it's fine. (laughs) My body's going to do it anyway. We'll just (laughs) stop freaking out. (laughs) Okay, well, that sounds amazing. Can you go into a bit more detail about when you were going through that process of looking at managing those worries? What kind of steps did you take or what tools or tricks did you kind of develop? I did hypnobirthing when I was pregnant, which was a good course to do. We learnt a lot of sort of meditations and breathing techniques um, and visualisations, which really helped. So I got sent home from the hospital because I wasn't progressing enough and was going to go back the next day to be induced. I was really set on not having any pain medication during my birth. Uh, So being induced was quite disappointing for me because it is quite intense. And I think statistically, a lot of people have an epidural if they're induced. That 24 hours between being sent home and going back into the hospital, I was quite upset um, because it wasn't how I wanted it to go. But I just sort of talked with my partner, Claire, and we sort of debriefed and talked about how it's we knew that it wasn't always going to go exactly how we thought it would um, and then by the time we went back in to be induced we were kind of just ready for whatever was going to happen so yeah I think just acknowledging that you really don't can't predict these experiences or control them is a good way to cope with them sometimes absolutely like when we acknowledge that these feelings are existing in us and that that's that's okay, like that's a natural response if we have worries, if we have anxieties, if we're afraid, even just acknowledging that can really help us process them and live with them. Yeah, and I think remembering that your feelings aren't who you are, they're just things that are sort of occurring to you and it'll pass and, you know, a feeling isn't you, it's just your brain sort of assessing protections or something. I don't know. No, totally. Yeah, Yeah, those feelings aren't final, even though they can be really intense. And that experience is real. The difficulty with that feeling when it's there for you is really real. Yeah. I love that you talk about just meditation, visualization, because even though I guess we know that different things work for everyone. And there's such an element of exploration and finding what helps you manage worry. But meditation has really good scientific research backing it up that it works for a lot of people. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm 
a particularly woo-woo person. <laughs> but uh, I, di- I did really find meditation and especially breathing really important, not only during my birth but just in general. It was something that I learnt when I was pregnant to how to breathe properly and I think it's something that we don't really acknowledge and we can forget that we're not actually breathing. Um, so I really, I think, yeah, just some some of the most simple things can be so helpful. And so then you were kind of out the other side of that experience yeah. and your daughter Eddie was in the world. Yeah. What did your worries look like then? I remember the first night I was in the hospital after she was born and I didn't really sleep because I was just sort of watching her and making sure she was breathing. So I think that, you know, I they sort of give you this child and you don't really know what to do <laughs> and they're so small. So you're just sort of like, are they breathing? Is that the right noise? Are they hungry? Have they... Have, do I need to change their nappy? So it's kind of this constant, what are their needs? How can I make sure that I'm meeting them? I think when you first have a baby, those immediate things are really on your mind. And then as they get a bit older, it's sort of evolves into, you know, are they developing at the right pace? Are they growing enough? Are they happy are they are their relationships good is that kid being mean to them on the playground should I intervene no let it happen you know it's sort of an ever-evolving thing but you know it's just part of being a parent I think do you identify things because I guess this is very much about like the internal world to an extent what do you think contributed to your worries or continues to contribute to your worries I moved to a small country town in regional Victoria and being a queer family in a small regional town was a little bit worrying as well just because, you know, we moved from inner city Melbourne which is very progressive and very queer friendly and we're in a town of 1,500 people in the middle of Victoria so that definitely contributed to my worry this year but... I was comforted by the fact that it was fine and everyone was really accepting. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think we hear from a lot of parents actually about, I guess, what some people call like minority stress. You know, a lot of families or parents find themselves feeling this stress of being not knowing who to trust, not knowing if they will be received by health professionals, Um, Whether it's, you know, an Aboriginal parent, parent with a disability, you know, someone who has immigrated, there's really like so many different kinds of parents and families who find themselves with really legitimate fears based in real experience or worries about what their experience is going to be like as someone who's maybe marginalised. And even when we're talking about the internal experience of worry, that is also informed by things like expectations and just like you said, the kind of images that we have of pregnancy and birth and parenthood. So it's not that you're just making up these worries. No matter where they're coming from, it's coming from a legitimate place. And I think that's probably why they're so common as well. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned milestones and development. 
Does interacting with health professionals or even other parents make you less worried or more worried? I think there's a few different aspects to it. When Etty was a baby, the maternal health nurses really monitor baby's growth and, you know, they're on a certain percentile for their head circumference and their height and their weight. So she was she was quite a small baby, so I felt a little bit I was made worried by the fact that the maternal health nurses were wanted to monitor her cl- closely, her growth and her weight, and I got a few comments from other parents suggesting that there might be a problem with my milk production or, you know, reflux or something. So sometimes those things that are supposed to be helpful can be worry-inducing. The other aspect to it is I think there's a an expectation that if you have a kid, then you just find some parents that have kids and you'll get along great. And just because two people have a child doesn't mean they're going to get along or that they're potentially friends as well. It took me a little while to find other parents who I became close friends with, people who had similar values to me and raised their children the same in the same sort of sense. And that you just connect with as people. You're like, I actually like this person and I would be friends with them anyway. Yeah. Etty's other mum, Claire, said to me once, I thought my mum was friends with these other parents, but I realised they were just tolerating each other so we could all play together, (laughs) which I think is really telling of a lot of those expectations that, you know, if, if the kids are friends, then I guess we'll have to get along. (laughs) (laughs) A bit alarming and I'm not into it. (laughs) No, like you're a parent, but you're also still a person and you want to like your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Of course that feeds into like you're more likely if there's, I guess not even friction, but if you're not like really comfortable and relaxed with the people who are then meant to make up such a big source of your support. Yeah. Because when we talk about going to like new parent groups or play groups and socializing with other parents, there is a lot of discourse about how that is meant to be really helpful. But if it's not a good fit or it's really hard to find people that you connect with, it can kind of end up having the opposite effect. Yeah. I found with my new parents group, I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't have this sort of connection with them all that was presented to me previously where some parents will go to that group and then they're all best of friends till their children are old and they all you know grow up together and it sounds so lovely and nice but for me that didn't happen so I felt a little bit disappointed and a little bit isolated by not getting that out of a new parents group but I think that's also the experience for a lot of people just because you've had a baby in the same few weeks in the same electorate as someone doesn't mean that you know your children are going to grow up together and your souls are bonded forever you know? <laughs> totally and if you're doing that group over zoom or you know, you're in like a WhatsApp group together, it can be even harder to make those connections as well. So there's lots of challenges, whether for safety reasons or because you're in a kind of remote area. Even if those connections aren't really solid through a new parents group, it's nice to go somewhere where everyone just wants to talk about 
poo or milk or not sleeping. I think that could be really cathartic, even if you're not, you know, making best friends, you're still at in a group where everyone understands what's going on for everyone else and everyone's getting the same sort of commentary from their family or from strangers. So I think it's a really valuable thing. Um, But, yeah, I think it's more realistic not to have many expectations about what kind of relationships you might form at a new parents group. It's, you know, it's mainly people talking about poo. (laughs) And there is such a place for that. <laughs> yeah. So Eddie is four now? Three and a half, yeah. You have been managing worries and anxieties around being a parent for a few years now. Yeah. <laughs> what have you learned about managing worry and anxiety? I've definitely learned to not try to control everything. I had to really take a step back with that recognize that you can't control everything or plan for everything. So I'm a very planny person. <laughs> As Etty's gotten older, I've allowed her to have her own experiences of emotional development. And sometimes you worry about how they're feeling about a particular situation. But at the end of the day, that's just sort of part of growing up. You need to let them have these feelings while just being there and supporting them through them. Yeah, I think it sort of changes a little bit to more emotional development and always safety, though. Car seats. I always worry about car seats. (laughs) So some worries change and some stay the same. (laughs) And I think that makes sense that your, I guess, the exploration of maybe what works for you, what helps you, has kind of evolved as well through yeah. pregnancy, through that really new parenthood, and now, you know, when, as in the early kind of stages. Yeah. It might just keep happening. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, you know, our parents worry about us still, so it's just kind of comes with the job, I guess. Do you have any tips that you would specifically like to give to expecting a new parent about managing anxiety, even if it's just things that helped you? I think that remembering you're still a person while becoming a parent is really important. Don't let people or even yourself get buried in the fact that you're now a, a mother or a father or a parent. I think that's really important and I think it's really important to have your own identity while taking on this new job. It's not your whole identity now. And just remember to breathe. Everyone forgets to breathe. (laughs) Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been wonderful to have you. Thanks for having me. It's hard to give really practical tips about managing worry and anxiety for a specific person because it really is different things that help everyone. It's so varied. We mentioned that mindfulness can be a great tool and it is scientifically proven, but some people hate it. And some people are really sick of being told to try mindfulness. We do actually have a bonus episode coming up with a mindfulness exercise guided by a counsellor from the Panda Helpline, which is specifically for expecting a new parents. So if you're wanting to dip your toes back into those waters or try it for the first time, we'd recommend giving that one a go. You might also have things that have helped you in the past. A lot of people have a past history or experiences with anxiety and certainly with worry. So a lot of us already have tools 
that we use, but also many of those things are out the window. Your whole life has changed. So it's about exploring what helps now and what you can manage, whether that's doing some breathing while the baby sleeps, going for a walk, or taking time out to watch TV. It doesn't have to be about something that is like your body is a temple. It is really about what works for you. It can also be really good to talk to friends, family members, whoever's in your circle, and connecting with other parents, as we talked about. It can be really helpful, even if it is over video call or over the phone, you might have that experience of, wow, finally, other pregnant people, other new parents are worried about this too. It's not just me. So here's a question you might still have. What if I'm worried about how much I'm worried? It might be that worry is making it hard to do things that you want to do. Or it could be that you're getting everything done, but the change in how you feel is concerning you. Then support is out there. And it could be as simple as talking to a loved one or reaching out to your family doctor, someone that you trust. You can also talk to Panda. I'm going to read the Panda helpline details at the end of this episode, or you can find them right there in the show notes. We've also got links to a few other services you might find useful, as well as more info on worry and anxiety, and plenty of useful links in the show notes. So go ahead and check that out. We want to say a massive thank you to Catherine for sharing her experiences and insights. If you or someone you know needs help, you can reach Panda through our website, panda.org.au, or call the Panda helpline on 1300 726 306 between 9 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, Monday to Friday, and Saturdays until the end of February. If you need help outside those hours, you can call Lifeline 24-7 at 131114 or check the show notes for more helpful services. Survive and Thrive is a Panda podcast worked on by the Panda team and produced and edited by Stupid Old Studios in Brunswick. This podcast was recorded and produced on the land of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded and never ceased, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. Thank you for listening to Survive and Thrive.